Hey everybody, welcome back to Ubaldi Reports. Well, the Donald Trump era has begun. On January 20th, 2017, Donald Trump was sworn in as the 45th president of the United States of America. Now, isn't in his inaugural address, he basically laid it out and stated what he will do as president. Now, many people were thinking that this was going to be an address like previous inaugurations, like a John Kennedy or a Ronald Reagan, where he had flowery rhetorical prose in his speech. This was far from it. Many say this was a dark speech. I think it was more to just he says it what is going to what he's going to do, and this is what he's going to do. Now, the one thing he did do, you had in the backdrop behind him, you had the former presidents would be Barack Obama, George W. Bush. Now, George Bush Sr. couldn't make it because of health reasons. You had former President Bill Clinton, and you had former President Jimmy Carter, and even Hillary Clinton was um, up on the stand when uh, Barack Obama, excuse me, when Donald Trump gave his inaugural address. Even the Republican leadership of Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, and others were up there on the, the stand. Now, what he did do, he really went at it with both parties. He didn't hold any hold back any punches. He really went at it, said, you're to blame for all the problems, how the top or the Washington elites have gotten rich at the expense of working class Americans. He didn't use the term I or me. He really very seldom used that. And he put it to, we're going to fix what's wrong with America. And he really just laid it out. He mentioned the cities, especially Chicago, all the violence. He said, this will end now with immigration. And what he said about foreign affairs, how the wealth of America has been transferred to other parts of the world at the expense of the, the, the working class Americans. So it was a different speech. It was probably the far the, the, the most different, I guess most different, but it was a far different speech than any president has given. It was more just, this is what we're going to do. And it was very brash, much like Donald Trump speaks like he did on the campaign trail. But the inaugural um, event didn't, had some issues. There were more than 60 Democratic uh, congressmen and women who decided not to attend the event. First, it was because of the Russian hacking that they feel that gave the election to Donald Trump, but also because they just don't like him personally. And one of them was led by John Lewis. Now, Donald Trump did get into a spat with uh, Congressman Lewis from Atlanta, which I think it was ill-advised. Now, Congressman Lewis was involved of the civil rights era during the 1960s. So I give him full credit for that as an icon of the civil rights movement. But John Lewis also made a comment that he's never, he's always attended. Then it come to find out he didn't attend George Bush's um, presidential um, inauguration in 2000. So that kind of lost some credibility there. But then there was also the protest in the street after he was inaugurated and some of the issues, there was protests in the streets against his presidency. So we'll have to see where this all leads and how this goes. But then there's Donald Trump himself. Ever since he became president more than two weeks ago, he still hasn't gotten off that Twitter handle. And he also has a very contentious um, relationship with the media, calling him dishonest over some slights that, like one CNN reporter said that the bust of Martin Luther King was moved, which was untrue. And some other things. So he's really jumped on that. And his um, uh, communications director director really went at it on day one 
which was the day after on Saturday, which I thought was ill-advised to do that. Just focus on what got you there. Focus on the issues of America. Don't get toe-to-toe with the media unless you have actually proof that they're being dishonest. But even if you do, just move on and focus on the issues that are concerning most Americans. But it's interesting is the Democratic reaction. Since that time, the Democrats have really come on, went at it with Donald Trump. Now, when Barack Obama was inaugurated in 2009, the, um, the Republicans and the Democrats, and the Republicans had a supermajority in the House, and they had a veto-proof majority in the Senate. So they could have passed any of uh, Barack Obama's uh, cabinet appointees. But the Republican Party never filibustered. They passed, I think it was 13 cabinet secretaries, or seven to, I think it was about seven to eight, right off the bat. And within days, they had almost this whole cabinet. Well, we're two weeks into this, and Donald Trump does not have a full set of cabinet yet. The two that were appointed right off the bat were probably the two least controversial, is General Kelly for Homeland Security and General Mattis for Secretary of Defense. The one thing with General Mattis, he needed to get a waiver from both the House and the Senate to serve as Secretary of Defense because he was um, he hasn't had the hasn't left the military the requirement of seven years. He's only he retired in 2013, so he got the waiver. They were the first appointees. Ever since then, the Democrats have really gone at it with the the candidates that or the selections that Donald Trump wants as the um, for his cabinet. So. That's going to be interesting how we play this out. Now we're seeing that for some of the nominees coming out of committee, the Democrats this week boycotted and all of them left and didn't show up. So some of them were voted just strictly on by Republicans to move to the full floor of the um, the Senate. And some of the other picks like the Secretary of Education, Betty DeVos, she's down to 50-50 now because two Republican senators decided – they're not going to support her um, selection as the education secretary. But then there's the Hollywood reaction. We've had the Screen Actors Guild and the Golden Globes, first starting with the Golden Globes. The, um, the Hollywood entertainment industry really came out against Donald Trump. And now we had the Screen Actors Guild just a few days ago come out against Donald Trump as well. The question is going to be coming is how does this play into the rest of the country? Because we're seeing protests. First, it was the, you know, right after Donald Trump was inaugurated, they had the, um, the million, man, million Woman March. That was all over the country. But the question is, how does this play out to the middle of the country? Now, people need to remember this. The states that Donald Trump won, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and um, Wisconsin, hadn't voted for a Republican since... Since the 80s. Now, Wisconsin hadn't gone for Republicans since 1984, and Michigan and um, Pennsylvania hadn't flipped to the Republicans since 1988. So you're talking about good 30 years. So, with all these protests against the country, and then we saw last night the protest over one of the, um, the CEOs of Breitbart. And I guess Breitbart is a very conservative, ultra conservative media outlet. But he was speaking in, um, in Berkeley, California, and there was a huge protest, a lot of violence, and you know, destroying a property. And how does this play to middle America? Now, everybody needs to understand, a lot of the people who voted for Donald Trump did so not because they're embracing Republican ideology, is that they were tired of the direction of the country, 
They were tired of being lectured by the Democrats and this ultra-liberal about what they should think and how they should th- how they should do things. Now, these are the individuals that voted for Barack Obama in two elections, and they voted for Trump. Now, if you keep calling them racist, how are they racist when they voted for Barack Obama twice? But they need to understand that these are Democrats. These are the Democratic voters like my dad. My father's a Democrat, or he was before he passed, and he was a blue-collar, iron worker, gets his hands dirty to go to work, Democrat who voted for Barack, I mean, for uh, Donald Trump. Now, too often, even one Democrat goes, the, the National Democratic Party just doesn't represent us anymore. Now, Tim Ryan, who challenged uh, Speaker Pelosi for the minority leader in the House, there were two counties. One county voted 30, um, 30 points for Barack Obama in 2012, only went for Hillary Clinton by 3,000 uh, votes. The sister county hadn't voted for a Republican since 1972. And you got to remember, they even voted Democrat in the big, huge wave election of 1984 when Ronald Reagan swept 49 states. So they have to be careful how they classify these individuals as the Democratic Party now seems to go further and further left. And they're embracing the, the, the liberalism from California, Massachusetts and New York. So I'm not sure how this is going to play out, but they have to be careful not to alienate the voters to expand your base. They just double down on their their base voters right now. Now, their cabinet selections, like I mentioned earlier, almost all of them, except maybe General Mattis and General Kelly, have gone through very tough um, confirmation hearings. Now, Rex Tellerson just passed the Senate for the full floor of the Senate, and it was... Very tough getting him there. He got all the Republicans and a couple of Democrats, but he had more negative votes than any cabinet secretary in recent memory. So it's it's interesting to see how all this plays out. Now I know Donald Trump has is Donald Trump. He gets he's he's abrasive, he's brash, and he starts to do things. And right off the bat, just last week when he did his immigration ban of seven countries in the Middle East, banning them from coming to the United States for a period of time so we can reevaluate the vetting process. And that just set up a firestorm. Everybody came on glued and even fired the the acting um, deputy attorney general who agreed to stay on until the um, Donald Trump's attorney general, uh, Jeff Sessions, um, meets his confirmation um, selection in the Senate. So she was fired because she refused to move forward or to chat or to argue that case in front of the you know the courts and that she was fired one of the reason was it's just she philosophically didn't believe in it not because it was illegal because that order was vetted by the attorney general's office and this is before Donald Trump's current selection Jeff Sessions could actually put his own people in so that was the reason why she was fired but it's it just seems like everybody's coming unglued on this without getting the full facts of the matter. The next big um, situation's happening is um, this week Donald Trump named his selection to replace um, Justice Antonio Scalia, who died, and the selection um, and the name escapes me right now. But anyway, he has a very conservative track record. He's 49 years old. Now the Democrats have to make a decision. 
because this is just one conservative for another conservative. So do they put all their eggs in this, in this basket and fight tooth and nail for this? Because Donald Trump recommended to Mitch McConnell, who's the majority leader, that if they can't get him through because you need 60 senators, that you should do the nuclear option. Now, the nuclear option was what Harry Reid established in 2013, that he would get only a simple majority to pass cabinet selections, lower court judges, he didn't do it for the Supreme Court, but he left it open for that. So the um, so that's why they wanted to um, to do that. So because they felt the Republicans were stymieing him on some of their picks. Well, now with the Supreme Court, do the Democrats filibuster this so the Republicans are forced to use the nuclear option and just need a simple majority, and they have 52 um, senators right now, or do the Democrats hold off? Because Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's a solid liberal on the bench, and she's been there for about 23 years, and she's very, she's ailing. She's in her um, in her 80s. I think she's 83 or 84. She's very um, she's had prostate cancer. She had other issues, she, and there's some reports that she had she's ill. And the other members of the, of the Supreme Court are taking her court cases. So it's question: Do they wait on this? You know, put up a fight, but let them go through. Or wait until Justice Ginsburg either retires, is incapacitated, or if, heaven forbid she she dies. Do they go on that one? Because that would be a liberal for a conservative. So that would really alter the balance of the court for generations, or at least a generation or so. Now, if Justice Kennedy, who's also one of the conservatives, but he does side, or more of a moderate, he does side with the um, the Democrats on you know, on various cases, if um, Trump replaces him, now you've got a solid conservative with the other uh, solid conservatives. That really alters the balance of the court for on some of these um, high-profile court cases like Obamacare and some of the other social issues. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Now with foreign affairs, there hasn't been any really big foreign uh, policy crises off the bat, but there's a lot of challenges going on. We still have to deal with ISIS. We have to figure out what we're going to do inside Syria because now you got Russia, you got Turkey, you got Iran, all have competing interests. You have Yemen, you have problems throughout in Iraq. Then you throw into you got issues with China in the South China Sea. You got Russia not just over in Syria, but in Ukraine and Crimea because of the President Obama's um, not really being tough on the Russians in those areas. So there's a lot of challenges the United States has to face. Now, Trump has had a difficult time with our allies because some of the comments he's made about NATO, some of the comments he's made about um, Korea and Japan, or even going back to some of these other issues, like I mentioned with NATO, that he feels that these countries have been given a free ride at the expense of the United States. So he's taken a different um, a, a track with that. Now with China, he took a call from the, the leader of Taiwan, who China believes that's their province. And they were very angered that Donald Trump spoke with the, the leader of Taiwan. So they want him to say, go back to the idea that there's a one China policy. And that's what we recognize Beijing over um, Taipei. So it'll be interesting to see how all these things plan out. But Donald Trump is now the president of the United States. I think everybody just needs to get on with it. 
I mean, I got it. You have difficulties with Donald Trump. I was never a big fan of Donald Trump, but now he is the president of the United States. And I would caution my listeners. I served 30 years in the Marines. At no time when I swore an oath to the Constitution of the United States did I ever swear an oath to a president or a political party. I swore an oath to protect and to protect and to serve the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The people spoke. Donald Trump is the president of the United States. Now, you can challenge on policy issues, but let's do so in a dignified manner. We shouldn't have to get out and protest out in the street because somebody disagrees with you. Let's listen to all sides and um, these issues. And let's get let's debate where they should be debated. And I would admonish the media, do your due diligence. Challenge Donald Trump. Investigate Donald Trump on policy matters. But don't challenge him on things that you didn't challenge Barack Obama on. I mean, where was the media on the VA scandal, which hundreds of thousands of veterans likely died because they couldn't get care. There was little coverage or Fast and Furious or the IRS targeting of Americans for their political beliefs or the attorney general saying to Congress, no, I'm not targeting the media. And then three days later, um, a letter comes out where his signature was there. Let's look at all issues. Remember, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, a famous Soviet or Russian dissident who was um, was in, um, imprisoned in the gulag system during the Soviet era. So he finally was exiled, and he spoke out, I think it was at Harvard University in 1978, and he goes to the media, who challenges you when you come up with something wrong? Who challenges you when you don't report something? You say you're the watchdog against government, but who challenges you when you make a mistake? That's where fake news comes in. That's why more people are going to Facebook and Twitter and other social media accounts because they just don't trust the media because you report what you want to report or you cover things that you want to cover or just during this past election because of WikiLeaks, you were in bed with the Clinton campaign. You were feeding stories to that campaign with and to be vetted. I mean, that goes against any journalistic ethics. Now, Donald Trump should be looked at. His business dealings should be looked at. Everything should be looked at. But let's do so in a bipartisan and investigative manner, not because you don't like him. We're going to hold him to a different standard than everybody else. And this is what feeds into the public. So let's do our jobs. Let's hold all candidates responsible. And now he's president of the United States. Let's give him his, um, his time to do what he says he's going to do. If, and if we disagree, now we can challenge him on it because we disagree on a policy matter. But let's not sulk. Let's not boycott. Let's remember it's the office, not the person. That's what I was told for 30 years. It's not the office that you serve. It's the institution. And the biggest institution is the U.S. Constitution. The American people voted for Donald Trump, and we have to adhere to their votes. Otherwise, we'll be like any other third world or any other country. And that's what makes us different. So may not, may not agree with that, but hey, that's the way I feel. And since it's my podcast, I can say that. So if you have any questions or if you disagreement on that, let me know. Go to iTunes. Go to um, iTunes and Stitcher. Go look up Ubaldi Reports. Leave comments. Go to my website, Ubaldi Reports. Go to my Twitter page, Facebook. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think, and I'll try to 
to address it on my next podcast. Also, if you get a chance, go to Amazon or any other uh, major book publishers. Get my book, The New Business Brigade. And its premise is why businesses should hire veterans and the untapped resource they represent. So keep following Ubali Reports. Let's challenge our leaders, but let's do so in a civilized manner. So again, let's do so in a civilized manner and keep listening to Ubali Reports. All right, thanks and wait till next time.